0: Turn up, your Turn up your volume because you're about to listen to the sick podcast, the sick podcast. with Tony Meradera.
2: 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston four, Montreal three. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into the air back to
0: Lefleur the sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. There <laughs> is the fall. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoins. On lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est le moment. ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. Tous, bravo pour les Canadiens. Le match troisième de l'histoire. You found the dogs, John. You found the dogs. Playground, your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick.
2: Marinaro, the sick podcast. How's everyone doing today? The Montreal Canadiens lose by a score of 3-2 to to the Buffalo Sabres on this Wednesday, February 21st. It is one minute past 10 o'clock. Get ready because this show is going to be heated the way it usually is when I'm joined by the guy they call the snake. I call him Usurpente. He's coming up, Simo the Snake Boisvert. The Sick Podcast is brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group. Energy Transportation Group, a leading full-service logistics provider, serving all of North America, driven to be different. Also brought to you in part by these guys here. La Bita TV, in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bitte TV offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bitte TV, embrace your true nature. Also brought to you in part by... Playground. That was there earlier today. Discover a world of luxury at Playground. Explore their new 30,000 square foot expansion with thrilling games, gourmet dining, and live entertainment located just over the Mercy Bridge. Only minutes from downtown Montreal. Playground. Playground. Experience the strip without the trip. And also brought to you in part by Accent Insurance Solutions. You know all insurance isn't created equal and you know where to find the right solution for you. Accent Insurance. Accent doesn't sell insurance. They shop insurance for you to find the right product. Right on the money. Whatever your insurance needs. Home Automobile or business, it's funny, every time I see their phone number, I think of my buddy Sergio Mameso, give the accent team a call today at 514-363-3636. There's going to be no shortage of things to talk about because, once again, it was a big game versus the Buffalo Sabres. Big game in terms of there's a lot of things we could talk about. There's a lot of players we could talk about. There's a lot of performances we can dissect. And, once again, there's always a difference of opinion when this guy joins me. Without further ado, let's bring him in. Simo, the Snake vert what's going on snake hi tony Tony, with six minutes left yeah i hear
3: go habs go at the bell center why they are battling the sabers for draft position
2: you know what i gotta tell you something this is going to be the first time in a long time that i'm actually going to agree with you (laughs) it um for me, it's apparent the Montreal Canadiens are going to ma- are not going to make the playoffs. I don't think anyone expected them to make the playoffs before the season started. It took four periods into the season to see Kirby Doc get hurt, and then if you had any playoff aspirations whatsoever, uh, you had to forget about the forget about them right then and there. And then shortly after that, what Newhook was out for about three months. Christian Dvorak is out for the rest of the season. Caden uh, Gooley was out for four games. David Savard was out for six weeks. Uh, Rafael RVP has been out for a couple of months. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, Jack, I was hurt at one point. You know, you have to say, they're not going to make the playoffs. And, but you, you know, listen, once a fan, always a fan. You're not going to tell them to stop cheering it on. But I I don't understand Canadians fans who, like, are disappointed after they lose these games or go crazy if the Canadians would tie a game like this or will go crazy when the Canadians win a game like this. And I like Samuel Montembeau, but I think we, call it, we can all agree He's the best goalie the Canadians have right now at this stage of his career and the careers of Allen and Primo. And when Montembeau plays games and he stands on his head early on, I'm actually worried that he's going to steal points for the Canadians the way he did a year ago, and he's going to get the Canadians further away from a better pick. Anyway, tonight Montembeau played, but his best was not good enough, and the Montreal Canadiens lost by a score of 3-2. to two. This is probably going to be the only time the entire show that I'm going to agree with you
3: well look again draft position i mean unless you win the lottery it's not a big deal if you pick six or seven or eight honestly because there's a, a whole bunch of players that you know some teams might prefer this guy to this guy but uh i know that trevor connelly is probably going to be available
2: and around each other Trevor know, yes. not only this guy yeah yes, yes trevor connelly tony Yes, yes I know draft. you've talked Ever about seen. him uh, many times. Pardon me? You've talked about him many times. I've seen many mod drafts, by the way, in the last month or so. Yeah. He's not in anyone's top 10. I, I I I don't give a crap. But what is he? Uh, yeah, th- this year's edition of, uh, of Quentin Musty for you? Or what? what's the story here? Oh, yeah. I'm uh, much better than Quentin Musty, honestly. But much not the same better, type yeah. of not the same. Yeah, you told us already on uh, the sick podcast that if the Montreal Canadiens end up drafting Trevor Connolly, which a lot of experts have going at around fifteen or so, sixteen, seventeen in their mock draft, if the Canadians can get Trevor Connolly, it looks like the Canadians are going to get a top ten pick. No, no doubt about it. That um, you're going to end up buying season tickets is what you said. Yeah, this is what I said. Yeah, this guy is so
3: spectacular. I mean, <laughs> once he bulks up. And he uh, cleans up his game a little bit in the sense that, you know, he's a little bit all over the ice right now. So yeah. he needs to be taught certain fundamentals. Uh, but you can't you, – you, you, they, they won't be able to take away his talent, his hands, his skating, his drive. So I, I think this is
2: the sleeper of the first round. This is the first-round sleeper. So you know what? If he is the first-round sleeper, I'll tell you what the Canadians could can do. They could probably make a trade to end up getting to, to getting a better spot. So what they can do is they can use their top 10 pick, probably end up getting somebody else using their second pick in the first round, trying to move down. And they could probably get a top 10 pick and Trevor Connolly. Right?
3: Yeah, but the pick would have to be between, you know, 11 and 15, I would say. Okay. But, you know, you never know with Conley because um, uh, Sam Casentino of Sportsnet wrote a couple of weeks ago that yeah. he's on a no-draft list with with some teams. So who knows what's going to happen?
2: Oh, he's one of those. He put a no-draft list or what? Why? Well,
3: because the, the of why?
2: Eh? Because of the incident a couple of years ago. Okay, explain to everyone what the incident is, and I know that he said some things he shouldn't have said. Well, he did something he shouldn't have done. I mean, it's
3: yeah. uh, it's a, it, anyone can read it on the internet. But basically, what it is is that he, he, he was with a teammate. He was like sixteen years old, fifteen or sixteen years old. He's with a teammate, and the teammate uh, makes uh, is playing with building blocks, and yeah. he, he draws like a, the the swastika, you know, and yeah. Conley took a photo, posted it on Instagram, and then people started telling him, what the hell are you thinking? So yeah. he he deleted the post, but you know how it is with screenshots. So uh, that's what it is. That that was the incident. And I think right. teams are a little bit uh, wary of uh, incidents like that nowadays, you know, with everything that's been happening with the junior team and, and everything. Yeah.
2: All right. Okay. So because of that, he's probably going to end up slipping more than he should. He could. Yeah. The way my, you ended up slipping more than he should, even though. you. I, I don't think so. I don't think so, Tony. Uh, Even though you told yeah. me on this podcast you don't think Mayu is very good, you're unimpressed by what he's doing in the American Hockey League, and when all is said and done, he's probably going to be a six-seven in the National Hockey League, and okay. then you start working a podcast with Matthias Brunet, and all of a sudden you start saying, oh, Mayu, you both a good no No, 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 Tony. First no, 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 all, no, 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 no. He, he will not
3: have, have
2: gone
3: 15th okay, pre- overall. Because look on Bob McKenzie's list, which is a survey of scouts, he was ranked yes. 30. Okay, so I don't think he would have gone 15. Second of all, okay, it, whatever he's doing in Laval right now, you know, the, when you when you try to project a player in the future, it, the, the, it's not about what he's doing now; it's about what you project. So, is is Mayu improving in Laval this year? Of course, he is. But does that mean that I've changed my mind, that he's a number six defenseman? No, I haven't changed my mind because this is my projection. No,
2: you, you haven't changed your mind because you're one of those who just doesn't want to say, you know what? I think I was wrong.
3: You're okay. one of those. Okay.
2: You, you know when I'll
3: say I'm wrong? I'll say yeah. I'm wrong when he's in the oh. NHL on the top four is an impact player. Then I'll say, Tony. I underestimated him the way I overestimated lots of players over the the, the years, like Tyson Jones, yeah. who I thought was yeah. a 70 player, and he's in the minor yeah. league. I admit, I admit, I I, I totally, you know. But right now, people are telling me, "Oh, you're wrong about Mayu." Okay, well, can we wait until the guy has a career in the NHL?
2: I I hear you, uh, I get you, and I tell you this right now: cut the tape on what you just said, and cut the tape on what I'm going to say right now. Uh, Tonight is Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. In two years from now, in the last month, month and a half of the season, we're going to revisit this conversation, and you're going to tell me, Tony, Mayu is legitimately a top four. He's consistently a top four. And you know what? I was wrong. Cut the tape. Agnello, Sammy, put this in the bank. Archive it. Get it ready and bring it back up. Put it in your calendar. Write a date two years from now, March 1st, 2026. Get ready. Put it there. And we're going to replay it. All right. Okay. The Canadians lose by a score of 3-2 to two to the Buffalo Sabres. Why don't we bring up the Montreal Canadiens lineup for tonight's game? Let's do it right now. Suzuki in between Slavkowski and Caulfield. Newhook with Anderson on his right. Joshua Roy on his left. Evans with Gallagher on his right. Armia on his left. Gignac with Ulanen on his right and Pearson on his left. Matheson, Gooley, Struble, Harris, Jacki Savard, Samuel Montembeau gets the start in goal for the Buffalo Sabres. Thompson with Tuck on his right and Skinner on his left. Middlestad in between. Cousins on his right, Greenway on his left. Krebs down the middle with Paterka on his right and Benson on his left. Gergensons with Okpozo on his right and Robinson on his left. On defense, Darlene, Yoki, Haru, Bryson, Clifton. Clag, Johnson, and, of course, in goal, Lukanen. Uh, that was it. Onto the score sheet we go, and I'm going to give you some analysis very, very quick, and then we're going to jump into the game, of course. In period number one, the Montreal Canadiens get on the board, and they get on the board courtesy of Arbor Jacki. And basically what happened on the play, sustained pressure by the line of Newhook, Anderson, and Roy. David Savard pinches, the puck stays in. Joshua Roy wins a battle he stretches out he's got one hand on the stick it's a backhand pass I don't think he's trying to do a 20 foot pass to Jack guy he's just trying to get it somewhere near the front of the net it goes off of a buffalo saber stick it goes to Jack guy who takes a laser a rocket right up and over look one nothing Montreal onto period number two they go Yoki Haru with a blast from the point. Jignac unfortunately left him unattended. From the left point, it was deflected in front by Gergensen, who was given a lot of time and space by Harris, who left him alone. That ties the game at one. Newark wins a faceoff in the offensive zone versus Krebs. Joshua Roy beats Paterka, goes back to Struble. Credit goes to Josh Anderson, who moves Paterka out of the way a little bit to give. Struble, some time and some room to get a shot away, which deflects off of Krabs. The Montreal Canadiens go up by a score of two to one. Have shorthanded. They're on a three on two. Armia is stripped by Skinner, who finds Thompson to Cousins down the right wing. A shot. Rebound comes out, Armia, who gave up the puck and was stripped all the way at the other end of the ice, ends up bumping Montembeau, rebound right to Skinner, a Montreal Canadiens killer, he ties the game at two with the Canadiens on the power play, Caulfield's pass back to Matheson was off the mark, it was behind Matheson and basically over his stick, a breakaway to Taku can fly, 3-2 3-2 he scores, and the Montreal Canadiens get stoned by Lucanen in period number three, and the Canadiens lose by a score of 3-2. They're off, by the way, on the plane probably right now or very shortly. They're going to charter out, make their way to Pittsburgh, where they take on the Pittsburgh Penguins tomorrow night in Pittsburgh. By the way, earlier today, if I can show this, I'd like to thank Donnie Cape, longtime friend and agent for Larry Robinson and the late Guy Lafleur. I was at Eats, Eats Chevu. There you have it, the lovely Natalie right behind the counter. It's the first time I've ever been here before. This place is a hidden gem, and the reason why I bring it up, Snake, is because they have a beautiful little trattoria, I'll call it, right there in the um, Marche del West in DDO, but they also have their own little company, which they also run in the back, which is called Air. What do they do? They prepare the meals for a lot of NHL teams, including the Montreal Canadiens, when the Canadians go on the road. So in case you are wondering, the Canadians tonight on the plane to Pittsburgh will have eight BLT wraps and chicken. They'll have some Philly cheesesteaks. They'll have Cobb salad. They'll have tuna salad. They'll have ribeye 14 ounce. They'll have sautéed mushrooms. They'll have some spicy polo loco chicken with Mexican seasoned rice. They'll have some penne arabiata. They'll have some Thai-style vegetables. And they'll have some uh, Asian pepper tofu. And they're even going to have some dessert, by the way. The Buffalo Sabres, I'm freaking you out with this information. Hey, Snake, I can tell by the look in your face. The Buffalo Sabres are going to have some butter chicken, some Montreal smoked meat sandwiches, a grilled shrimp garden bowl, and this is what the Sabres are going to have. Who, By the way, their fathers are going to get fed as well because it was the father-son trip. Uh Uh-huh. All right, okay. So, can I ask you a question now? Yeah, because I'm kind of bored. What do you think of my shirt? Oh,
3: I love the shirt, but I don't really care about the, the the Habs and the Sabres menu
2: on the plane. I just wanted to say thank you to Natalie. That's all I wanted to do, and I wanted to bring it to people's attention. Thank oh. you, Natalie. You know what? Some people are actually interested in us to know what they're eating on the plane. All right, okay. Let's talk now. Jack Guy, what do you think? I-, I thought he was uh,
3: a crazy physical presence tonight. Plus Best the,
2: game I've seen him play in the National Hockey League.
3: Best game I've seen him play in the National Hockey oh, League. Oh yeah, he was excellent. He was excellent. He was all over the ice. Yeah. And uh, the he was facing like uh every saber that he was facing, he would uh practically uh, you know, tackle or whatever you want to call it. Yeah.
2: One goal, four shots, four hits. 1852 it's the best game i've seen him play in the national hockey league Mm -hmm. joshua talk to me about him because you know what i've had an opinion on this player which i feel very good about yeah especially tonight talk to me about him
3: i thought he had a very good game too uh he showed a lot of uh grit uh especially on one of the goals where basically he was able to he hustled yeah. for the puck, and he was able to take it away from, you know, battling with another player, and basically was directly responsible for that goal. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I do think that uh, I think he's going to be a very good third liner on a contending team. That's my assessment. My future assessment of this guy. He, he's going to okay, put gonna points gonna on the board. He's gonna. Yeah. He's going to show, you know, grit. And this is the kind of player you need on a third line. And that's how I
2: see it. This guy here, he has some second line potential in him. I've said this even as recently as last night when I joined the guys from La Poche Bleue in their Tavern hockey segment. I said, look, this is the way I see it. The Canadians have a first line now for the first time in a long time. And I know that you disagree and you and I will tackle that later. But I said, we
0: took it all.
2: Kent Hughes now has to go out. And in an ideal world, he's got to get two wingers for the second line. But if he only gets one winger, Joshua Roy has the potential to be that second guy that I'm saying to go out and get. This guy here has the vision. This guy here has the hockey IQ. This guy here has the talent and the one thing that or two things that people were wondering about skating ability and the grit the grit he answered tonight he showed people grit tonight that some people didn't think he had now it's one thing to do it for one game and it's another thing to do it all the time i understand where you're coming from because josh anderson he shows grit once in every 5 and Armia shows grit once in every nine. And hopefully, he's not going to be one of those. But maybe he doesn't have the skating ability. But don't forget, there's a lot of people who question Nick Suzuki skating as well. Skating is incredibly important. And when you have all the attributes and it all comes together, you it's a pretty nice package there. Your chances of succeeding are very high. But if you can have one ability... Hockey IQ is a better ability to have than skating because when you have hockey IQ, you won't have to skate as hard or as fast when you know where to go because you're playing smart and you know where the puck's going to be and you know how to get yourself into tight situations and you know how to compensate for a lack of speed. This kid has something. He didn't put up 119 pounds in the Quebec major junior hockey league for nothing and 32 points and his first 40 games in the American Hockey League it's not too bad my friend this kid's got something yeah but why is it when you work with your buddy Matthias, you give this analysis of like every answer is about 147 seconds and every time you work with me you say yeah because, because I'm to right, because you don't I'll let me talk I want to hear you talk go talk I just told you I just told you what I
3: thought of Josh Rogwa I just gave you my assessment. I see a who very good third him? liner on a contending team. And the rest, uh, I pretty much agree with your analysis. You know yeah. about hockey stance and skating and everything. So there's not yes. much I, I, can, I, I can add. But yeah. I, I don't necessarily agree that this is a guy who could be a second liner for 82 games on yeah. a contending team. That's all I'm saying.
2: Uh-huh. Who drafted Josh uh, in I,
3: And I think if, if he's a third liner, it's... It's like a luxury, you know? I mean, if I have Joshua mm-hmm. Roy as a third-liner,
2: I have a pretty yeah. darn good team. Austin Matthews just hit 50 goals, by the way. Anyway, nobody cares. Listen to me. Who drafted Joshua Roy? Tell me, because I know. Yeah, uh, the Canadians, Trevor Timmons. Trevor Timmons, okay. Yeah. It's a pretty good pick for a fifth round, no?
3: Yeah, but how high was he on his list?
2: It doesn't matter. It does. It doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah, yeah, matter how high he was on his list. Yeah. He drafted him? Yeah. See, because now, look, Trevor Timmons got annihilated for the last 20 years in Montreal. Yes. One of the reasons he got annihilated, he got annihilated for several reasons. One of the reasons was, Yaboudé de la Ligue Junior Major du Québec, y'aime pas les joueurs du Québec, y'a pas les francophones, pipi, papa, pipi, coco, and all that stuff, okay? But when he ends up drafting them, instead of saying, you know what? Tip my hat, chapeau, Trevor Timmons, you got this one right, good for you. You got this kid in the fifth round when no one else got him when he gets now you where was he on his list this kid yeah, because you know what it's hard for me he could be the steal of the draft look it's hard for me to defend a
3: guy who's been so mediocre for the last uh 14 15 years okay so whenever whenever he he, he, he hits the bullseyes you always wonder if it's just simply pure luck however I have to say something. A lot of people blamed him for not taking players from the, the, the major junior hockey league. But I never did blame him for that. That I never blamed him for that. I, I, I like the Quebec League and, and, and everything. I realized that you know it's 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 the market here, you, you have to draft from that league and stuff. Yeah. But honestly, there's not a lot of guys that Trevor Timmons didn't take from the Quebec League, who became stars. You know, Claude Giroux, perhaps, you know, that's 2006. But after that, you know, uh, guys like uh, Jean-Tierre was would not have been available for the Habs. I mean, uh, the, uh, you, you can look at the list. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, I I, I don't think Timmins. Uh, was really, really bad in that sense. Okay, he didn't take Nicolas Roy in 2015, but you know, that's just here and there.
2: So that. Who were, his scouts, who were his scouts in Quebec? Who were his scouts in Quebec?
3: I think for a long time there was uh, uh, Donald Odette and uh, Serge Braver.
2: And Danny Morel too at one point. Uh, I think Michel so, Boucher. yeah.
3: Yeah, but that's a long time that, ago. That, that was before a
2: long time I ago. See. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to tell you something. Timmins, another reason why he got annihilated is he got annihilated because he never paid attention, once again, went to the Quebec League, all that stuff. I know this. You know more about scouting than I do. You did it for a living, and all I did was take a course that lasted three months, by the way. I got my certificate for what it's worth, yada, yada, yada. I hung out on the press box. I talked with other scouts. I went through a thesis. I went through exams and all that stuff. But you did it as a job. You did it for a living. So you know more than I do. But this is one thing I was told and one thing that I was taught. When the scouts are in a room and there's scouts that cover the Quebec League and there's scouts that cover the Ontario League and there's scouts that cover the Western Hockey League and there's a scout like Timmons that oversees the whole umbrella, including Europe and all over the world. When a scout from the Quebec League sees a player that catches his attention and they start doing their own list and their mock and they start doing this and start doing that, If they believe in a player, they got to go to bat for that player. They got to go balls to the wall. They got to put their reputation on the line and they got to say, Trevor, guys, I don't care what you tell me about that player in USHL. I'm telling you, this guy is the guy. I put my name on the line. This guy is the guy. And I'm telling you, if you're not going to go with my guy, I'm going to be pissed. I spoke to this guy. I spoke to that guy. I spoke to this. I got this reference on him. I got that. I saw him at this place. I saw him do that. And I'm telling you, I'm putting my reputation and my name on the line. I'm going to tell you something. Based on what I've heard, when it came to drafting Quebec players, there were not a lot of those speeches. Not a lot. And I also know this. In the last couple of years, how many players from the queue get drafted in the first round? How many? One per year?
1: Yeah.
2: One?
3: Well, uh, 2021 was a better year, but uh, 2022, 2023 wasn't uh, great from what I recall. There was what? Gaucher? Uh, Yeah. Uh, Well, no, but 2021, you had like Gauthier, Bolduc, Luder. There were quite a few players in 2021. They're all in the American Hockey League now. Yeah. And uh, And Gauthier went where where
2: last year? Pardon me? Gauthier went where last year? Ethan Gauthier, early second round. Early second round. And Luno went where? He went second round? Second round the year before. and this year, we're looking at Massey probably being the first player out of the queue. And Massey might go where? Maybe, maybe 27, 28, 29, but it wouldn't be a shock if he
1: goes if in he the second like round.
2: or 40, yeah. There you go.
3: Yeah, there's a Quebecois right. who's going to go in the first round, but he's not from the queue. It's uh, Sacha Boisvert
2: playing the U.S. Yeah, just like we
3: did 15 years ago.
2: Yeah. So, so you know, like, it's just some people make it sound... Like, there's six players that get drafted from the queue in the first round, in the first two rounds, and, you know, they missed out on them. When there's one player and they're going 25, 27, 35, there's a bunch of teams that are passing too. A bunch of teams. Anyway, let's get back to the hockey game. They may have something with that line of hook, Roy, and Anderson. They may have something.
3: Anderson, really?
2: So hold on a second. Let me rephrase, but let me rephrase. They may have something for the rest of the season with that line. Yeah. And I don't think that Josh Anderson is going to turn into a very consistent player over the rest of his career, considering that he has been far from that so far in his career. But I think they may have something with them till the rest of the season. And next season, they could have something with Doc, Roy, and Anderson. And Newhook becomes your third-line centerman. Or Doc, Roy, and Newhook. And Anderson plays on the third line with Dvorak to start the season. Why not Doc with uh, Slavkovsky? I don't say no. But you realize that this is the first time the Canadians have had a first line in a long time. And they look good together. And I know they didn't score tonight. But can we agree that right now it looks like Suzuki Caulfield and Slavkowski have all the ingredients to be a very good line for a long time?
3: I'm not so sure about Cole Caulfield. Why? Because he plays in the periphery whenever it gets a little bit harder. Like so tonight. did Pacioretty.
2: He scored 30, 33, 35, yeah.
3: 37, and 39 with the Canadians. Yeah. It doesn't mean it was ideal. That's why I say that Caulfield could be sheltered a little bit more on a second line. He could still score 35 goals. would be very useful, but I do think that the Habs need – to uh, another first liner, let's say with Suzuki and Slavkovsky, and you bump Caulfield to the second line, he can still score goals, he can still play on the power play. That's my opinion. We're, remember, Tony, we're talking it's not about a building terrible
2: opinion. By the way, it's not a terrible. Well,
3: opinion. It, a, we're building a about opinion. a. Cha- we're building. We're talking about building a championship
2: team here. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. How good was Jonathan Marchessault when the Vegas Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup? I think he, well, look, he, he won the
3: Consmite Smythe Trophy. It was fantastic.
2: Well, Perfect. Yeah. So Marchessault played on the first line, correct? Yeah. So let's just take a look at Jonathan Marchessault. Yeah. Jonathan Marchessault's career, He's an undrafted player. He was with Columbus, Tampa Bay, Florida, and the last seven years he's been with Vegas. Jonathan Marchessault has scored, had seasons of 30 goals, 30 goals, 28, 27, 25, 22, and this year a very impressive 28 and 56. Never had more than 75 points. It's the only season in the National Hockey League that he's had in the 70 points. He's only had one season in the 60 points, which was 66. The rest were in the 50s and the 40s. And this year, he's not going to pass his career high. He'll be somewhere, you would think, in the 60s. If Jonathan Marchessault could play on a number one line on a team that won the Stanley Cup, why can't Cole Caulfield? Because Marchesau is a tougher player and a more complete player, Jonathan Marchesau has been in the National Hockey League since 2012. He's five foot nine, 185. He does play bigger than he is, yes, but he's been in the National Hockey League once again for 11 seasons. Cole Caulfield's in what his fourth NHL season. Cole Caulfield's what? Yeah, but twenty-two I mean, years old. What, what, and why so Caulfield can't become what Marcia So is now?
3: I don't He's see it. He's a former it. 50th pick overall. I, I don't see it, but I still see the thirty-five goals a year. Why? Why are people, including you, so mad or, or so obsessed I'm not mad. with the idea? i having
2: a discussion. Of,
3: no, but why are people so obsessed with the idea of having Cole Caulfield as a first liner? Why does it have to be carved in stone that Suzuki, Slavkovsky, and Caulfield are the first-line players of a championship team? Why? They don't have to be. No, but according to a lot of uh, people who criticize me, they should be. Because every time I mention that perhaps this line is not a first line of a championship team, because there could be another combination of players involved, Uh, They get mad because in their book, this is carved in stone. This is the Habs' first line. That's all I'm wondering. There's no problem with uh, Caulfield being a second-line player scoring 35 goals. It means that
2: the Canadians have a pretty darn good team. Very good. It's perfect. But I'm just going to get back to what I said. That's all. This is my point. I'm not getting upset. Cole Caulfield, you tell me he could be on the second line. I don't look, I know, I realize, like you, that when the time comes that if Cole Caulfield's on the second line, it's because the Canadians have a lot of depth. But I'm just going to go back to the same thing I asked. If Jonathan Marchessault, who was never drafted and had one season of 75 points and had a couple of 30 goal seasons, and has been in the league for 11 years, and is not the biggest guy in the world either, if 10 years into his career, Jonathan Marcheseau can be on a team, on the first line, and a team that won the cup, why can't Caulfield? You said, because Marcheseau's tougher. And I'm going to tell you that Cole Caulfield may never win a Con Smythe trophy. Okay? May never win a Conn Smythe trophy. But I believe... That when their careers are going to be said and done, that Cole Caulfield is going to outproduce Jonathan Marchessault. Doesn't mean he'll win a con smite, but yeah. he'll outproduce no. him. That's my bet right now. No, that's just the stat sheet, Tony. It's
3: important, stats are important, but that's just the stat sheet. What I want to see well, I mean, that's just the puck in the net is important, is it not? Yeah, it is, but I want to see how guys perform on the road. In the playoffs, this is what I want to see. I, I, I don't want a guy who's going to score three goals on a, on a Tuesday night at the Bell Center against a weak team, wh- which is what Max Pacioretty has been doing all, all of his career. He, he was always scoring at home against weak teams in games that were either like 6-2 uh, to two for the Habs or 6-2 to two for the other team. Whenever he went to L.A., Chicago at the time... And all these places, look at the stats. He never scored. He, he was never on a pace of 35, 40 goals if you look at those games with this guy. So that's, uh, that's why I'm saying that the stat sheet is important, but you have to analyze the 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 these things, you know, relatively to other factors. So I'm not bringing Caulfield down. I'm just saying that Marcia, so overall is a better player will end up being a better player. Caulfield might have bit better stats. I don't care. I, I, I see what I see. And I see a guy who plays in the periphery when the going gets tough. That, that's all.
2: I'm willing to bet that within a couple of years, Cole Caulfield's going to go to those areas that he hasn't gone to with a lot of frequency just yet in his career. Don't forget... Why He's coming off shoulder surgery last mm-hmm. season. He had to rehabilitate it this season. And if I'm coming off shoulder surgery, and I'm, I'm in my first 40 games back after shoulder surgery, I'm not so sure that the place I'm going to is the front of the net. Some, people, some players want to do it. And you know what? Some of them don't get hurt. They're a little lucky and good for them. Some of them end up getting hurt. It shortens their career. And when you shorten your career, you shorten your ability to actually make money. The longer you can play, the healthier you are, the more money you're going to make. I think at one point, when the Canadians are going to become a very competitive team, you're going to see them go to those areas. But because they're in a rebuild, and a lot of guys are probably saying, "You know what? We're not going to make the playoffs anyway." I don't think too many guys are going to go in this. Or they're going to go in those dirty areas and take a lot of punishment. You know what I mean? Who goes in those dirty areas and takes punishment on this team? Who goes? They're in a rebuild. Don't forget. So you think that he's going to just turn on a switch at some point? It's not a switch. That's well, not a – I don't think it's a switch. That's that's adjusting your game. Yeah. look, he's
3: 23 well, years maybe old. I'm going to be wrong he on this really one. You think that when he's 25, 26, he will adjust his game.
2: He will when become, they become stronger. a team and they're going to be in the playoffs and they're going to battle in the second and third round, I believe he's going to do whatever it takes And to you win. don't think he's going to be injured again, the fact that he's 5'7"? Kirby Doc is 6'4", and he's been injured yeah. a lot more than Cole Caulfield. Ooh. What's the difference? What does that have Ooh. to do with it? No, but I mean... Eric Lindros was the biggest, strongest guy in the National Hockey League. He had a shortened career.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was playing like uh, a man-man, so it really so, didn't help. But uh, I'm just
2: Marty, saying that... Marty St. Louis was smaller than Cole Caulfield and never got hurt. Yeah, much stronger also. Much... Well, very smart. Yeah. Much stronger, yes. You know, he had... Thighs like this. Yeah. And he had an unbelievable brain. But Cole Caulfield, I mean, played 10 games in his first season. And then after that, t- this guy hasn't played all like it's like we want him to be a finished package right away. He played 10, 67, 46, and 56. Don't forget there was COVID seasons in here. Like this, this, yeah, this guy has played 179 regular season games. Oh. But in this day and age, Tony, that's, he's 23 years old. He should be close. just over two seasons.
3: Yeah, but he's 23 years old. And in this day and age, at that age, you're supposed to start producing quite a bit. Look at the stars in the league. By the age of 23, they had become yeah. pretty darn good.
2: He plays for a bad team. Yeah. Right? But what is wrong with Cole have Who didn't have Doc. Who didn't have Newhook who didn't have Dvorak, who didn't have Guly who didn't have Savard, who traded Monaghan, and every team's game plan for the first 40 games of the season was let's pay attention to Caulfield and only Caulfield because Suzuki's always looking for Caulfield. Suzuki adjusted. At one point, he started to take shots for himself, and then at one point, he started to find Slavkovsky, who's grown. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Caulfield comes back from a shoulder injury. His shooting percentage is not the same everyone's keying in on him. And not because they're keying in on him, it's opened up room for the others. Like, listen, I could be wrong, but I'm going to give you an opinion the way sometimes you could be wrong, but you give your opinions. and That's why I love having you on the show because I like people that have opinions. People that sit on the fence who have made a career of sitting on the fence. I think it's red, but I can also see it as blue. I think it's white, but tomorrow I think it's black. That's not for me that. Whatever, they can do whatever they want with their careers. I like people's opinions. If they strike out 100 times, they strike out 100 times. I think Cole Caulfield could be a first-liner on a team that wins a cup. Obviously, if he's on a second line, they have a great team. I think Cole Caulfield's going to end up being having a more productive career than Jonathan So I understand your point that it doesn't mean he'll be a better player, but I think we have to take into consideration that, once again, Caulfield has playoff games included under 200 games under his belt. And Jonathan Marcheseau has been in the National Hockey League for 11 years. And Jonathan Marcheseau has about 715 games under his belt. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. And Jonathan Marcheseau plays on a team that won the Stanley Cup one year ago. Jonathan Marcheseau plays on a team that has Eichel down the the middle, that has uh, William Carlson down the middle that has uh, Chandler Stevenson down the middle, that has Nicola Roy down the middle, that has Barbashev on the wing, that has Stone on the wing, that has Petrangelo on defense. that has Shea Theodore on defense. The that has Braden McNabb on the fence, uh, that's got a goalie who's been standing on his head for the last two seasons, who looks like he could be one of the best goalies in hockey. Like, hey, take Cole Caulfield, put him on a line with Jack Eichel and Mark Stone. Come back and talk to me. Come back and talk to me. It doesn't mean that
3: the holes in his game will still be the same holes in his game.
2: Okay. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I I know a lot of cheese that has a lot of holes in it. It tastes like really amazing cheese. You're going to have holes in your game. The guys that don't have holes in their game, those are the best players in the league. There's not too many of those guys. Nope. Not too many of those guys. We're talking about... Championship team on the first line. Okay, so now I'm getting 66 spinnings. Stefan in Quebec City says that jean is a leader. I love Jonathan Marchessault. Hear me out, Stefan. He's in the 11th year of his career. 11th year of his career. 11th. He's with. Columbus, Tampa Bay, Florida, and Vegas. He's with the fourth team of his career. And he's had 715 games. Cole Caulfield's with his first team. He's played less than 200 games, playoffs included. And he's playing for... A bottom seven, eight team in the National Hockey League. A bottom five team last year, and the worst team in hockey a couple of years ago. Relax, I'm happy with my prediction that in ten or eleven years from now, let's talk and we'll compare Caulfield in we'll compare Caulfield in eight years from now to Marshall Soul right now. I'm comfortable with that. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Hey, let's um, let's open up the phone lines. Let's have people jump on a line. I think it's now time for you called. You
0: called. You called. Presented by Playground.
2: It is presented by Playground, and we'll get to your calls at 1 585 7425. And we're going to get to them in just a minute, not before I talk to you about the Accent Insurance Solutions turning point of the hockey game. And that turning point of the hockey game with the Montreal Canadiens on a power play, Caulfield's pass to Matheson is off the mark. Alex Tuck is off to the races. He goes on a breakaway. He shoots. He scores. And the Buffalo Sabres beat the Montreal Canadiens by a score of 3-2. to You know what's upsetting me? Yelonen, I'm starting to wonder if this guy's got a pulse. I mean, you just realized it? He's in. Well, at one point we saw hands, right? Shootout. I know a shootout oh, is a. Yeah. We saw hands, even to the point where we said, hey, you know what? It'd be nice to see him maybe on the second wave of the power play, give him a chance. I think he's running out of chances, this guy. He's running out of chances.
3: And, and you know, if it were me, it would have been gone a long time ago. Uh, I would have n- never put him on the NHL team
2: from the start. Not a fan. eh? No, he's he's scared. He's scared.
3: Yeah, he's scared. I you think can he's tell.
2: Scared. Well, he's whenever a very player, you can tell.
3: You know, I I I, I don't need a player to be uh, every player to be six four, but I want players, you know, who are not afraid to, uh, you know, get their nose dirty. And he's not one of them. So I don't care about the fancy goal here and there. Who cares? What do you I, think is guys going to be on the Habs team uh, w- whenever they become competitive, more competitive.
2: What do you think of um, the decision to put Kovacevic and um, Pozzet out of the lineup tonight?
3: look uh i i I don't think uh presence was uh required because buffalo has some big guys but they don't have like a tough guy let's call it and as for kovacevic i mean again i mean it's
1: who a, a, a
3: lot of interchangeable players, you know, on the habs right now. So to me, it's not
2: it's a non-event. Where are we going exactly? Let's open up the phone lines. Let's take some calls, Snake. Where are we going? Let's go to Nella. Nella yeah, Nella, hi. are you there?
0: I'm yeah, I'm there.
2: Is that your name? Nella Noah. Noah. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's exactly what I thought. I didn't think I was talking to Nella. Agnello, you're fired. Go ahead, Noah.
0: Yeah, I know. There's a lot of talk about Trevor Zegres, and I'm thinking, you know, what what does the snake think about him? And is that really the kind of player you want to add to your top six to uh, try and move yourself into playoff contention?
3: Why not? I think it depends on the price to pay. I agree with Uh, you. I I think that's... who can be very flashy at times. Yeah. But I I also don't think that he has a a very complete game. He's not having a very good season right now, but he was injured, so let's forget about this one. But I think think he's more flash than substance, so it depends on what you want to pay for him. Like, I, I wouldn't
2: give the number seven overall pick for him. Let this year. I, I said tonight on TV that I would definitely show interest. Pierre LeBron has stated that the Canadians have called, but I wouldn't give a top seven or eight pick for Trevor egress either. But if it's after 10, I'd be willing to dangle a couple of picks after 10. I don't have a problem with that. I'd be willing to give up prospects, major league prospects. No. Now, if the price is too much to pay, it's too much to pay. I end up looking at another player to bring in, but what I don't understand is this whole thing about. Uh, do you really think the Canadians could be a better team if they bring in Trevor Zegers on their second line? Yeah, yeah. I think why? I think are, why? In. Why do they? Why do the Canadians have a Trevor Zegers on their second line on the wing?
0: They don't.
3: Well, then the answer is yes, right? right but there's something I wonder about Zegers. Okay, Tell why? Me. Why would the why would the ducks, a rebuilding team, yeah. let go of a guy if a young guy like him, if he's so good? Why would he be on the market?
2: Okay, were the
3: Blackhawks uh, rebuilding?
0: Yeah, McTavish and and Leo Carlson. So, just assets wise, is that part of the reason?
3: Okay, so let's say let's say you're right. Okay, and they don't want to play him on the wing, and they already have their. Top six centers. Okay,
2: correct. Let's say they, they have right. Carlson and Mason Then and why, center.
3: Then if they believe in Zigris as an asset, if not as uh, as a player on their team, if they believe in Zigris as an asset, obviously the price, the asking price, is going to be pretty high. No, so I don't think you you can get Zigris with uh, uh, the twenty fifth pick overall and and a B
2: a B prospect. No, but 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 uh, snake. I've heard this before, and it's a good point. Anytime you say, why would a rebuilding team want to trade a 23-year-old who's already put up 61 and 65, who's got skill off the charts? It's a good question. And it merits to be asked. And it's possible that if Anaheim gets rid of him and he doesn't go on to be a very good player somewhere else, it's possible that Anaheim was right. But it's also possible that Anaheim was wrong. I mean, we spent, I don't know how much of this show talking about Marty St. Louis and Jonathan Marsh or so. Neither of them were drafted. One's in the Hall of Fame, and the other one's probably going to go. Like, so every team in the National Hockey League, besides the Vegas Golden Knights now and the Tampa Bay Lightning of Marty St. Louis, everybody else blew it. Are they all stupid? No, they all made a mistake. And they probably underestimated them because they're small. I mean, there's a lot of great players that have been traded. True. The Tampa Bay Lightning wanted to trade Vinny Lecavalier. The GM wanted to trade Vinny Lecavalier. A lot of teams in the National Hockey League were calling, and the owner said, but if so many teams are calling for this player, teams who are better than us in the standings. If he's good for them, why isn't he good for us? Ultimately, they didn't trade him. And a couple of years later, he won the Stanley Cup with Tampa. So Anaheim might be right. And zegris might end up being a dud. But they might be wrong. And zegris might end up being a guy who only produced on a very bad team and his defensive game is terrible. But he might end up going to a team that's going to be better, and he might end up being better than he was on that worst team. Well, he's not a very hardworking player. That's for sure. Okay. If he was, they wouldn't want to get rid of him. Of course he's so. got holes in his game. Yeah, He's soft, and he doesn't show up all the time. Hmm. Okay. Now, there's players like Drouin and Pierre-Luc Dubois who had that label and the teams that picked them up ended up regretting it. And if the Canadians pick up Zegers, they might end up regretting it. But the same label was given to, like, as Craig Button told us, Kessel and Eichel look like they have pretty good careers. I'm willing to chance I,
0: it. I never agreed because with that label. Flags,
2: I'm not giving up a top 10. I'm not.
3: I never agreed with that label on Eichel, by the way. Good for you. Kessel, yeah, but Kessel was a complementary player. He won two Stanley Cups, but he was not the go-to guy. He was a complementary player. So if you have Zegras on your team and, and he doesn't earn like eight, nine million a year, he's a complementary player, okay, that's fine. But if you're counting on him to drive a line uh, and and win the Cup, I <laughs> I, I I think you're going to hit the wall.
2: Maybe they're not counting on him. Mm.
3: So it depends on what role you have for him. It depends what you give up for him.
2: How about if you end up putting him on a line with Suzuki and Slavkoski, two mm. very good 200-foot players, and three or four years from now, Slavkowski is going to be 240-pound wall that you won't be able to move, and Suzuki is an unbelievable – it can't work? Yeah. It could work. And you know what? If you end up having Caulfield on a line with Doc on the second line, maybe somebody else, I don't know, by that point.
1: Look, yeah, I, maybe, someone, again,
2: maybe someone they draft this year, you know? I, I'm not giving up the farm, but I'm interested. Like, if I'm – and obviously, Kent Hughes is. Pierre Lebrun is telling us. Kent Hughes is interested. You know, that. by the way, I think Kent Hughes knows American players very well. He knows where they played. He knows who they were coaches with. Who they were coached by? He knows who they played with. He knows everything about them, their character, everything. If he called, it's probably because it's positive. And who who knows
3: who the uh, Habs are going to draft this year? Are they going to be able to get Caden Lindstrom? Let's say Caden Lindstrom is a big guy. They they have to get bigger and 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 well, six foot four centerman, eh? Western Hockey League. Yeah, guy, they need guys with skills and bigger guys. So that's a possibility. I think Lindstrom is, is a possibility for the Haps. So that kind of changes the perspective of the lines now. I, I I don't think we should be thinking necessarily about lines uh, for three, four years down the road. I think the the idea is to gather uh, a, a great top nine, and then you can play with this because there's always going to be injuries. There's going to be you know, guys underperforming. I think what the Habs the Habs have to get is a great top nine. Once you have this, then you can start thinking
2: about contending for the cup and adding pieces. You're right. But before you get a great top nine, you need to get a top six. They have a top three right now, I think. You're probably yeah. saying that one of the top three is not a top three for you. That's fine. Um, but... They got four pieces at forward with Suzuki, Slavkowski, Caulfield, and Doc, I think, all 23 years of age, anywhere between 19 and 23 years of age. They've got a real nice core right now, which they used to have, and they ended up blowing it, and they didn't make the best of the core that they used to have. They have that right now
3: let's let, go to the phone let, calls again. We have Noah. Where are
2: we going? Let,
3: let's not forget, Tony, that there's other. There's 31 other teams. So this is a nice score that you mentioned. But yeah. there are other teams
2: that have that, the equivalent. Let's call it. Okay, perfect. So let's talk about teams that made the playoffs in the last couple of years, and let's see if we think, if they're going to make the playoffs over the next couple of years, okay? hmm In the East, Boston. You think Boston is going to... So Boston has been excellent since the year they won the Cup, 2011. They've won eight in a row. They're so hot. But they were the best team in hockey last year, and they got bounced in the first round. Yeah, Do you think Boston is as good as their record of 65 so this is a year ago they were 65 12 and five one year later we're seeing what do you think Boston is as good as their record this year when the part of me it was last year that they they weren't after they, they finished I think that they won their last eight games at 135 points we saw in the playoffs they weren't as good as their regular season record do you think the Bruins are really as good as their regular season record this year and do you think Their future with Marchand getting older, Krejci is gone, Bergeron is gone. You think the Bruins are going to be in the playoffs for many, many years to come? I don't
3: think so. I don't think so either, Tony. But remember last year, they were supposed to miss the playoffs and they got one of the best seasons, if not the best season ever for a team. I mean, the regular season. So who knows? They seem to pull players out of a hat. You don't Noah think Tampa's does. on the way
2: down? You don't think Tampa's on the way down? They they they, they did their Tampa, rebuild. They I won their cup. They're on the way down. On the
3: way down. Yeah,
2: I do think Tampa yeah. is on the way down. Yeah. Okay, so you know Philadelphia will be pretty good. Carolina will be pretty good. Yeah. The Rangers will be pretty good. Yeah. Toronto will have the next what four years or so to try and get it done. Yeah, a good. Three, four years, yeah. Pittsburgh's on the way down. Big Washington's time. on the way down. Big time. Columbus will be in the cellar for a while. Buffalo, too. They just, they've just they always been there for the last 10 years.
3: Uh, we, 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 we don't know. I mean, they have good young players, but then it has... They do,
2: but they've had good young players for a decade.
3: I know, I know, yeah. Same with Ottawa. Islanders, Detroit, not convinced. Uh, uh, Islanders, forget it. They're on the way down. Detroit, I think they're going to be as good as they are right now, which is fine, but I don't think they're going to be a contending team uh, within the next five, six years.
2: I think within the next five or six years, the Montreal Canadiens have a nice opportunity. And you know what? We I've never really been that yeah. glass half full, but I am. Sylvain. Yeah. Is Sylvain there? Salut, Sylvain. Comment ça va? Uh, so, uh, ça va bien, and you? you know ça va très bien. Merci d'appeler, Sylvain. Tu parles avec... Le Serpent, Simon, the snake, Boisvert.
1: Yes, and uh, as much as I really appreciate you, uh, Simon, I can tell you that I have a high opinion of your your opinion, and I'm very glad that uh, I can speak with you, Simon. Well, thank you, Sylvain. Why don't you do this?
2: Uh, Have a conversation with the snake. I want to sit back. And I want to listen to what you guys want to say for a while. I want the snake to do the talking. I want him to be able to earn the big bucks that he makes on this podcast. I want to see if he earns it. Let's go. Go
1: <laughs> to talk to him. Okay, there we go, Simon. Uh, there's there's two things I want to discuss. It's about Madison on the power play and Zigris. Zigris with the pick that we have. I'm exactly where you are. I've looked at uh, Trevor Connolly, uh, but if we go get. Zigris. Let's say, for an instance, that we have a nice uh, top four with Dak, and now we put Zigris on the first line. We go with Cofield. You don't want to talk about lines, but let's let's do it for uh, for the pleasure. So he's on the second line, Cofield with uh, with Dak could be center, could be uh, on the wing, and then if we have Zigris, which is a kind of player that is not, is frisky on the on the ramps. Would you go with Connolly with your top pick that you're dreaming of, which I love like you, or you would go at this moment? Of course, we we select Lindstrom if, if he's available, but I'm pretty sure he's going to be gone. Would you go with Connolly or with Iginla to complete uh, what you have uh, as the top six?
3: Trevor Connolly, by a mile.
1: Still Trevor Connolly? Because, are, are you aware that he's not the most... Uh, uh, hard uh, on the ramp, and he's, uh, he's a skilled player. He's uh, flying like the wind. He does this incredible thing. But you would still have a Cofield, a Zgris. If we have Zgris, always in that scenario, and you're good in scenario. So Zgris, Cofield, and uh, and uh, Conley, on their top six, three frisky guy on the ramps, you would do that?
3: Well, I, I wouldn't have them play together. And like I said the idea is to get to, to get together a great top nine, then you can play with all these parts. You know, it doesn't mean that you, you have to have the same lines every game. It, you know, I mean, I, again, I, you, you have to draft who you think is the best talent available because rosters change. You can make trades. You're going to lose players to injuries. You're going to have players who underperform. You're going to have players who are going to be traded to fill other holes. So, uh, uh, yeah, I go with Conley because, uh, and, and first of all, he's not a perimeter player. Conley is not a perimeter player, but he does need to bulk up. I think he's going to need two or three years before he gets to the NHL because right now he's about 155, six foot yeah. one. So, look, le- down the road, uh, y- you have to take the best talent available and not worry about what the the lines or the lineup will look like three, year, three four years down the road.
1: Okay, but a second question if Dickinson or Selayev or a big D is there, uh, would you go with a, de- a defensive player for the Canadian?
3: Oh, the you always need good defensemen. I mean, Lev Shunov is probably going to be gone. A guy like Dickinson, I think, look, Dickinson is fine, but I think he's, um, I don't think he's, he's skilled enough for me to be drafted, let's say, in the top seven. I see him more as a guy that I would take probably between 11 and 15 because I don't think he's skilled enough. Selayev, very, very hard to uh, evaluate. He plays in the KHL. He, he really, really came out of the gate very strong in September. Uh, I think he's uh, you know he's, he's a huge guy, but I don't know how this will translate to the NHL. Uh, there's also a Zane Parek, offensive defenseman, he's probably the uh, wow, the best offensive defenseman available in this draft. But he's amazing. But defensively, he's terrible. So you you have to live with this. So are you willing to have this this guy who's going to be a liability in his own zone, but is going to be absolutely amazing offensively?
2: I mean, I'd, I'd trade for Zegers if we're going like that. Sylvain, can I weigh in on this? I'd like to weigh in on this, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. I'll tell you this. And I'll tell you something that people already know, right? Simo, he does scouting for a living. Well, he does other things for a living, but in his free time, he does a lot of scouting. Yeah. Graham McCag does a lot of scouting. They have software. They have Instat. They have uh, all these softwares. They can watch games. They key in on player shifts. They take notes. They have access to the advanced stats, the data, the this, the that. I'm a guy. I watch the Montreal Canadiens 12 months a year, 365 days a year. Even when they're not playing, I give my opinion on them. He watches these young kids a lot more than I do. But I'm going to go by a little bit of logic here. Or my logic. My logic. If the Canadians already have Zegers and they already have Caulfield, those are two wingers on the top two lines. And the other winger on the top two lines is Slavkowski. And the two centermen are Doc and Suzuki. The other winger they need is not Connolly. It's a There you go. That's what, what I need. Mean? to be a power forward in the National Hockey League. Does Connolly have more talent? Yes. But you remember when the snake said, Zegers has talent, but they need somebody who's tougher to play against? Well, now, if they already have those guys, then they need somebody who's tougher to play against. I don't know if Aguila is going to be Brady Kachuk. I don't know if he will be. But I believe he's going to be in that mold of a player. That mold. Now, yeah, the Snake has seen him this many times, and I've seen him this many times. I have talked to a lot of scouts who have seen him this many times. That's my opinion. We'll see what happens because drafting is as and developing is not an exact science. It's the hardest thing in hockey to do is to draft and evaluate players at 15, 16, and 17 and to look into your crystal ball and to see what they're going to become. I put a lot of stock in genetics. Yeah, And I know what Jerome McGill was all about. And he was drafted eleventh, and he was underestimated by a lot of teams. The Canadians drafted Terry Ryan at eight. I know, it's <laughs> crazy. I would go with Aginla.
1: Yeah, me too. If, but that's why we need to do a trade for Zigris because we will we would know what we would have for as a top five, and then we need to complete. So I, I, I think Aginla is uh, going to be the type of player or, uh, that's going to win playoff games. All right. Uh, another question that I have is Madison. Both of you guys, is it me or Madison has a problem reaching out for Slavkovsky on its on its, uh, one-timer on a power play? He goes again, we, we've talked about this, Tony, he goes in the center and he cuts the angles. When you're in the center, you shoot to, uh, you, 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 you reach for the goalie, and the goalie is square to the puck. There's no angles. You need to move the players and move the goalie. So, if he goes on a certain way, you, you, you pass to Paul field, you pass to he had two chances with Slavkovsky today. He didn't do it. Um, it's, it's a me? thing. Uh, Madison is like, uh, I don't know, uh, high risk, uh, dropping the puck uh, at the blue line, uh, like a certain percentage, like maybe 30, 40%. We know that it, and the ceiling is already there. I would I would do something with that guy to to make the place for, uh, I don't know, Hudson, uh, last 10 games of the year, see how he goes on the power play. What do you think about that, Small?
3: Well, uh, uh, of course, Madison is a high risk, high reward player. I think he, he he moves the puck quite a bit. You need puck movers, obviously. But considering his age, considering uh, the Habs timeline, and considering what's what's coming or who they be they could be drafting or who they're gonna get, I think trading Madison when is if he has good value should be something that they should consider basically they got him for nothing almost and i think yeah they should they should consider it you always have to look at your assets you have to you always have to manage your assets and you have to create a timeline where everybody peaks at the same time like will madison still be in montreal uh, i mean with his contract uh, uh will his contract have expired, or will he be a, a 30-something player who's not as fast, who's not as efficient when the Habs are ready to win? So for that reason, I would consider trading him.
2: You gotta keep Matheson yeah, would, on keep, the team for at least you gotta to keep more. Matheson on the you gotta keep Matheson on the team for at least two more years, Sylvain. Who are you gonna have on the left side? Lane Hudson, Caden Gooley, Jacki Struble? A lot of inexperience there, my friend. You cannot have six 22-year-old defensemen on the team. You can't. I agree with you, Tony, but why
3: not trade a guy if he has value, and I'm saying if he has value, and basically sign another veteran or get another veteran
2: that you can get for cheaper? Because you know how hard it's going to be for you to replace Mike Matheson from Montreal's West Island, born and raised, who played his hockey year, was a spotted touch student at John Rennie, then went to Boston College, was drafted by the Florida Panthers, was traded to Pittsburgh, from Pittsburgh was traded to Montreal, came here, embraced it, can't use Newham very well because a cortex management player, Love Montreal, thrived Montreal, plays well here. Right now, he's the best defenseman on the team. I don't care what anyone says. With all due respect everyone else, not even close. But then again, I don't expect the younger players to be better than him. He's an amazing mentor for Gouli right now. If you're going to trade somebody and you can get some good return, trade David Savard. And I like Savard. But Savard is 33 years old, going on 35 and a half because of the type of game that he plays, because of the hits that he takes, because of the shots that he blocks. Mike Matheson skates like the wind. So even though Mike Matheson is 29 years old, he's closer to 27, and 33-year-old Savard is closer to 35. Not to mention that Matheson has mentored Gouli, who now is playing right defense. Matheson has the most minutes on the team for defenseman. Savard today was the fourth most ice time for defensemen. You'll have Gouli on the right. You'll have Reinbacker on the right. You'll have uh, Mayu on the right in a couple of years, maybe Baron. You can keep Savard maximum one more year, but... I think you need to keep Madison at least two more years.
1: At least, I think it depends so on. You have you have would you would you trade Savard or, or Madison, small?
3: I would trade both. <laughs> both, depending on what I can okay. get for them. If Ma- if if I'm being offered a second round pick for Madison, obviously I keep him. Yeah, Savard I would trade for basically anything. Uh, I, I I I don't have time for Savard. So I would just trade him for anything. But
2: um uh, I wouldn't I, would I would ent- trade Mike earlier. Matheson for a first round pick. Pardon? I wouldn't trade Mike Matheson for a first round pick. Depends on where the first round pick is. Okay, yeah, sure. But no one's gonna give you a top five pick for Mike Matheson. So they're gonna give no. you what? They're gonna give you what Winnipeg gave the Canadians for Sean Monan, a 27 no, or 28th pick. That's no, but that he's never play in the National Hockey League.
3: He's under contract for a few years. Look, remember the contract for a few years, uh, correct? A, That's why I keep Canadians, uh, Canadians got the 13th pick overall for Alex Romanov. So if I'm yeah. being offered the 13th pick overall for Madison this year, I,
1: I, I jump on the offer. Me too. Same thing. Mm. Yeah. Because, I uh, yeah, uh, of course, I would not trade both of them this year. I, I, okay. Or you go and you reach somebody else, but Savard could. You know what's what's the value of Savard? He's not faster than that. He can stop, uh, pots with his uh, feet, whatever. He's a mentor. He's a you know uh, somebody that you can count on. on but he's not the the, the four uh, figure. He's not the, the top good the, the top dog. Well,
2: guys, if you well, trade Matheson funny. this year, you're gonna end up you're gonna end up giving Gouli. Ma- uh, and and, uh, and uh, Hudson and Struble, you're going to end up giving them too much too soon, guys. Matheson has to be there still to shoulder the load for a couple of years. You can, you can, utilization- sign, a guy.
3: You can sign a guy in short term for one or two years. You can sign a veteran for, for one or two years because right now, Tony, the Habs are building. Okay, uh, Madison okay. is not in line with the timeline that the Habs have.
2: Uh, maybe not because his nope. contract is up in two years, but if he had a contract that was a four-year deal, you'd probably disagree because this guy plays, plays a young man's game. Yeah. This guy's the best skater on the ice every game yep. he plays.
3: Like I say, if you can get the 13 pick overall, you go, you, you do it. Look, they did it with Romanov and there were a lot of people who thought that Rom- thought that Romanov was going to be a fixture on the Habs blue line for years. And there were people who said that he was a top two defenseman.
2: Yeah, but you know as much as I do that Mike Matheson is a much better hockey player than Alexander Romanov, and it's not even close.
3: Yes, it's not even close. I agree with you. But as the question three, four years ago, Madison was w- w- was seen as uh, 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 a, a guy who made too many mistakes, and and that he, he had a bad contract. And Romanov, when he finished uh, the the World Juniors, was seen as uh, a, a top prospect. I even heard. Some people saying that he would win the Norris Trophy one day. And when I said that that uh, his ceiling was second pairing, as usual, you know, they blasted me.
2: So I'm going to tell people this about Mike Matheson. He turns the puck over. It's true. He's a great teammate. He's a great person. He loves playing in Montreal. He's doing a great job on the power play. His first pass is fantastic. His transition game is excellent. He skates like the wind. He picks up a ton of points and he plays 25 minutes a game. When I hear people, and I'm not talking about you, Snake, but when I hear people insult Mike Matheson because he turns the puck over, when the pros so much outweigh the cons, it's pretty stupid. It's pretty stupid. And uh some have an agenda, and uh you know, sometimes I get the feeling uh when I hear people talk about Matheson, it's that even though he's a gut knew for some he's not considered a gut knew I think that's pretty sad. Uh, he is a gut he was he
1: is a Yeah, we have two guys that we were talking about trade, Savon and medicine So these are the, who do you want to trade to uh, give the place for no. to, to the youngsters? These are the look, two look, But which one? What you strategy I, I like, we're just, okay, I, I like David I'm Savard, I'm in okay? the same place as you are. He, England, he's got a lot of heart. He's from Montreal. He's from Quebec. The guy. Yes, good for he's you.
2: There. He's got, David Savard has a lot of heart. I'm sure he's an amazing teammate. The guys think he's incredibly funny. And he'll do anything for a team and he'll block a, a puck with his teeth. But he and Mike Matheson are not in the same discussion. I'm sorry, unless I'm watching different games, come on, guys.
1: Anyone who yeah, thinks that it, they're it, on the same it, level, it's uh, not Madison. even close. So do you want to, to give uh, again for the next two, three years 25 minutes to Madison? Or you want to split no. it with the new guys that's no. coming up? With the- no, Matheson's minutes are going to go down
2: gradually every year over the next two years. You'll see. Well, He's yeah, going to go from 25 next year to 22, and the year after that to 19. You see uh, okay.
3: I think Tony you're you're you you either you're being too emotional or because I agree with what you said about Madison by the way your description of Thank Madison you. is fine I don't dispute it but I think that Thank you're you. either you're being too emotional or you know nothing about timelines and 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 that teams that make it should have as many players as possible who peak at the same time Chicago okay. Blackhawks when they won three Stanley Cups. This is exactly what happened. Yeah, and that's the model you have to follow. So if you have like
1: yeah, you're right. So,
3: so it, 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 and and when someone has value, mm-hmm. and and he's not part of that timeline, you trade
2: him. Perfect. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. And I understand he's a fantastic player, but that's not the point. We're talking timeline, correct? Yeah. Zdeno Chara was 34-35 when he won the Stanley Cup with Boston. Mm-hmm. So what am I getting at? I'm not comparing Matheson to Chara. Whether you like it or not, a team that's going to win the Stanley Cup, that they're going to grow together, there's going to be some veterans on the team. There's going to be some guys who are going to be – they're not all going to be 25, Snake. I'm not telling you to keep Matheson here until he's 34. Okay? I do agree. Tony. I'm not saying that. In my head, the plan should be that at the end of Matheson's contract in two and a half years from now, at the deadline he's traded. That's what I'm thinking now. But then again, I'm ready to revisit in two years from now, okay? Because a team that's going to win the Stanley Cup is going to need some 34-year-old guys, Snake. Right? Right?
3: Yeah. Right. But it doesn't have to be the guy whose value could be high right now. It could be someone else. Like I was talking about Blackhawks, okay? Yeah. The Blackhawks, when they won three Stanley Cups, they signed Brian Campbell. That was a veteran. Yeah. And it ended up being a social contract, you know, because he was good the first few years and then he sort of faded. But my point is, why would it have to be Madison? I think right now the idea is to build. And in order to build for the future, you need more assets. You need more impact players who are, who are, who are going to be in the same age range as the core you mentioned. And I think Madison could be uh, the type of guy that you trade for players like yeah, that. That's fine.
2: You, you that's saw
3: the. They, they got rid of Romanov, they got Kirby Duck. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's, so, so the that's Canadians, the Canadian, so snake. The Canadians won the Stanley Cup in 1979, correct? Yeah, and I in remember it. I, I was 13
3: years old. Perfect,
2: yeah. perfect, correct. And I remember it too. Right. So in 1979, I was I was born in 72. Okay, so in 79, I was six and a half when they won the Stanley Cup. All right. Larry Robinson, in 1979, when the Canadians won the Stanley Cup, he was 28 years old, right? And he was a fantastic. Defenseman, yep. right? He was fantastic in '79. He almost averaged a point a game in the season. He almost averaged the point a game in the playoffs. He was fantastic. Yeah. So then in the '80s, when the Canadians didn't win the cup, what happened? The New York Islanders won the cup four years in a row, correct? Yeah. And then the the uh, the the um they won at '80, '81, '82, '83, and then in '84, '85, the Edmonton Oilers won the Stanley Cup, correct? Yep. Yeah. The Canadians were not favorite to win the cup, uh, you know, when the Islanders were winning it or when the Orders were winning. Correct? They were not. No. Nope. They could have traded Larry Robinson. Yeah. They won the cup in 1986. Larry Robinson was 35 years old. Yeah. So they could yeah. have traded Larry Robinson, Larry Robinson, Robinson when he was 30, 31, 32, 33, and the yeah. Canadians were not favorite to win a cup. The okay. Islanders and the Orders had a dynasty.
3: Okay, but you know you're you're comparing apples with oranges and I'll tell you why. Maybe first of Maybe. all. Tell
1: me
3: first of all, Robinson, we're talking about a Hall of Famer. Madison is not. Second of all,
0: perfect.
3: Robinson I agree with you. was w- Robinson was a homegrown player. He had been drafted by the Habs. He had won like four or five Stanley Cups with them. That's another yes. story. And thirdly, perfect. there was no salary cap at the time. So the r- roster management was what was not what it is now. Perfect. So I think this so, is this'll... a totally different situation. Rosters right now, you always have okay. to maximize. You're doing operational research. For any, anyone Perfect. who did business at the university, you d- you do yes. operations research. And basically, you're trying to maximize the
2: value of each player according to their contract. Perfect. And I agree with the... that. It, 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 yeah. It's the stock market. You're playing the stock market. I love exactly. it. I love what you're doing. You're playing the... I like to play the stock market too. Okay. But here's the deal. This is what I'm going to say to counter what I just said, uh, to counter to what you just said. Larry Robinson at age 29 was the Montreal Canadiens' best defenseman. Mike Matheson at age 29 is the Montreal Canadiens' best defenseman. Larry Robinson was drafted by the Montreal Canadiens, but Mike Matheson is a guy from here who wasn't drafted from the Canadiens, but really wanted to come here, came here, and made the most of it. I'm going to tell you this. You need veterans on teams that win the Stanley Cup. I'm like you. I like to play the stock market. I'd like to have all the young guys, all the same age. You know, I'd like to have anyone between 22 and 28 when they all win the Cup, this and that. It doesn't work that way, Snake. It just doesn't. You need veterans to show yeah, the but other why does
3: it to have win. to be Madison? I didn't you say know. it has, to, guy guy has, to, be. Be has to be. right now. And when the Canadians get somebody better, he's going to be in his third, a, a young team. Why does it have why does the
2: veteran have to be Madison? It doesn't why do we have to trade him right away knowing if you can't replace him? He's got two years left who, on his who deal. Who cares about right now? Who cares about this season? Who cares about next season? Well, that's what I'm saying. He's here for two more years to show the yeah. young guys the way, and two years we'll revisit. But okay, but in two years, you it's know it's not what? my plan. It's not my plan to extend Matheson in a couple of years from now. It's not okay, my but plan. He's trading. If it to gets to that game point game. that he's still playing a young man's game. And I and I'm gonna tell you one thing. I spent some time with Matheson. Uh, you know, we're not best friends. I, I don't I don't even think I got his number in my phone, but I hung out with him for a couple of hours. Okay, and I'm gonna tell you this. This guy, I get the feeling I could be wrong because in business, you never know. I get the feeling that in a couple of years from now, when his contract is up, this is the type of guy who likes it here so much and his family's here and he's so happy to play for the Canadians. I could be wrong, eh? I get the feeling this guy will take less money to stay here, a (laughs) lot less money to stay here, to be here and to help mentor the young players and to accept a secondary role in that stage of his career where he'll still be young. He'll be about 31, 31 and a half. I'm willing to bet this guy will accept a secondary role if he has to. And I'm willing to bet he'll accept less money. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. We're not there yet. We'll wait till we get there. It's just a feeling I have. Okay.
3: Well, I'd rather bet on getting the 13th overall pick.
2: Well, hopefully the 13th overall pick ends up playing in the national hockey league, but, and hopefully so you can bring bet. in a defenseman. Bet. bet. That yeah. would be my bet. And hopefully you can end up getting, you know, somebody who can mentor some of the young defensemen. Sylvain. Yeah. It's been nice. Merci beaucoup. Thank you so much.
1: All right, thank you, Tony. And thank you, Simon. And, uh, well, I love your podcast, and you're a fantastic uh, animateur, Tony. Very, Merci very, beaucoup. Thank you.
2: J'apprécie énormément. Merci
0: beaucoup.
1: Uh, are, you ready to crick,
2: uh, are you ready to kick chronic pain to the curb, Simon? Optimal Stretch Clinics got your back, literally. Say hello to their new physiotherapy service designed to make you feel like a million bucks, whether it's a stiff nef, uh, stick neck or, or achy joints. Uh, they've got the magic touch to get you moving and grooving again. Book at OptimalStretchClinic.com. I have an appointment with them tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock, by the way, for a pain-free living with Optimal Stretch Clinic. So OptimalStretchClinic.com. Check them out on Instagram. They're at 4710 St. Ambroise and Point St. Charles. So if you happen to have an appointment there tomorrow, you'll see me there at 11 o'clock. They're going to stretch me out. Once again, special thanks to Energy Transportation Group, to Labit at TB, to Playground, and to Accent Insurance Solutions. Thanks to all of you, our sick community. Comment SICK, S-I-K, like it share with your friends. And if you really want to make me happy, leave a five-star review on our Apple reviews. And check out Snake Boisvert's podcast. It's called Processeurs. It's made a lot of noise one month into their existence. And I'm sure they're going to continue to make noise as he touches on prospects throughout the National Hockey League, especially Montreal Canadiens prospects. Simon, you gave me 90 minutes of your time. You know, I love you. You know, I can't thank you enough for giving me all your time. It always makes for a great podcast. You never have a shortage of opinions. We never have a shortage of discussion. And um, I really enjoy it. And I, I hope you enjoy it half as much as I do. So did I. So did I. It was fun, Tony. Merci beaucoup, mon ami. And sorry if I kept you up late, okay? But uh, I'm no a man of the people. They want me to keep going. I keep going. <laughs> Take I care don't. of yourself. Bye, Tony. Thanks, everyone, for watching. For Yellow, Sammy, and Juliana at Master Control, I'll be back tomorrow night. Same time, same place, right after the Canadians and the Penguins. My guest tomorrow night will be former Pittsburgh Penguin, Philippe Boucher. Their Cavallaro and Master Control. A Marinaro. Me.
0: And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.